Good afternoon and welcome to the Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm today's host, Matthias Altman-Karasaki, and with me, as always, we have Ryan Splashpots and Alex Clark. Gentlemen, first things first, we're doing a rare Saturday afternoon recording. How are we doing? Uh, two nights ago, I went to the Braves game and spent, um, I'm not going to tell you how much money. I spent a lot of money. I bought uh, lots of World Series regalia because I didn't have enough. Um, even though the Braves lost fun game, a little bit of rain too. got to see Matt Olson, uh, lace two doubles down the line. Kyle Wright pitched well too. So, and the Braves got the dub last night. Hopefully they get the dub tonight. We have a big talking point about the Braves, but I'll throw it over to Alex. Thank you for letting me talk splash. No, I'm kidding. I'm being petty. Um, <laughs> love you, buddy. No, I'm doing all right. I'm actually on a bit of a mini vacation right now, but you know, I just could not stay away at this point right now i had my laptop this time when i went out so i'm good that we could get to talk about some baseball especially since one of my one of my favorite guys is part of the docket today as well yeah you know i was on vacation recently and i actually was in atlanta and uh, i was at the college football hall of fame and some like dude just followed uh followed me in uh who happened to be mr potts over here uh so that that was fun uh Atlanta was a good time in between the travel problems I had with LaGuardia airport and the Atlanta airport. And it was, it was uh, the, the traveling situation was terrible. Everything else in between the good food, the visiting all the sites in, of Atlanta, it was a fun time. Uh, I, I obviously we have not recorded in a couple of weeks because splash and I both had graduation and then I, I was traveling. So, uh, but we're back after a brief hiatus. So, yeah, there's been a lot going on. I'm back at school. Unfortunately, I still have a few more weeks, I guess five weeks now, uh, before I'm officially done here and I'll be moving back home for a bit. But yeah, it's it, it's it's been all right. Just stopped raining. So we'll see how the rest of the day goes. But anyways, first things first, Splash, you alluded to it. Uh, the Braves had made a pretty big move. Uh, today, actually, they called up their top prospect, Michael Harris, outfielder uh, from DeKalb, Georgia, actually. So he, he's, def- he's, I guess, a bit of a local guy being from Georgia. But Splash, I know you've been super excited about this guy. So tell me a little bit about him. Absolutely. So he is making the jump from double A ball all the way to the majors today. Uh, Travis Demerit, I'll save the slanderous name. I called him earlier. Travis Demerit goes down in a corresponding move, but Michael Harris, the top prospect in the Braves system, I would have argued the top prospect even before they traded uh, Christian Pache. Harris has been a, like a revelation he was a third round pick a couple years ago uh, in 2019. And, you know, no one was really thinking much of him because you have Pache, you have Waters, you have Langleyers and Shoemaker, and you have all these guys and you have all the pitching prospects. But Harris has been the one that has shined at every level of the minors. Um, he really did well in rookie ball, which, I mean, you'd expect for a guy that we're talking about now. And then the COVID year wiped out 2020, came up, High A ball in 2021, had a uh, a 114 WRC plus, gets the the promotion double A, and he's torn the cover off the baseball. A 129 WRC plus, he had a lengthy on base streak uh, early in the season. At the the first like 25 games of the season, he got on base. 
He's a guy that slashed 305, 372, 506 uh, in, in Mississippi. That's what it is, not Rome. Uh, in Mississippi, 201 isolated power. I like that a lot. He plays a clean center field. Um, he's playing tonight, his Major League debut, uh, Saturday, May 28th. He will be the youngest player in Major League Baseball, which means, folks, we are very close to having players younger than me playing Major League Baseball. Uh, Mr. Harris is two days older than I am. He will take the throne from Wander Franco, who is eight days older than I am. I'm super happy. And just as a bit of like a scouting sort of deal, Harris, a speedy guy, 11 steals this year, uh, stole 27 bags last year. Doesn't get caught a whole lot. I'm going to like the, if he's, you know, batting eighth, ninth in the lineup, I like the kind of double leadoff hitter idea because he gets on, would get on base in front of Acuna, um, has a career, on base percentage, well over 350 in the minors. So I'm not saying he's going to come in and be this superstar. He is a meh walk rate, um, but he puts the ball in play. That's important. Has a lower than average strikeout rate, which is important when you have a lineup with as many, you know, power threats as the Braves do. I'm really just super excited for him. I uh, was about to go back to sleep. And I was scrolling through Twitter and boom, Michael Harris is coming up. And then I got up and like was running around the house and I, uh, both of my parents were gone because, you know, parent things. So I'm like sprinting around the house, like super hyped. And I'm, I'm just pumped. So um, <laughs> I'm excited for you. Cause I just love, love seeing new players. One thing I do want to kind of like ask a little bit about when it comes to this guy, I'm taking a look at his baseball reference page right now for, for Michael Harris, and you said that he came up from uh, started from Double A, which you know sometimes it works out well for players. Sometimes it works out really well if you just make that entire jump. Um, the one thing I'm looking at here is that 2019 seemed to be a bit of an interesting year for him. He played in A ball for not that long, only 22 games, where he actually hit sub 200 but then goes into rookie ball and just absolutely tears the cover off it, batting nearly 350. Then you take a look at, again, no 2020 due to COVID. And then 2021 goes all up to um, a plus ball and hits just under 300, gets promoted to double A and hits above 300. So the problem I'm looking at here is that the number of games they played in the minors all together through all three seasons is under 200. Now, I get it that, you know, that we're in a kind of a time now where it's a little bit easier to just say that it's okay for minor league prospects to come up and just, you know, rake. If they're doing well in minors, just, just bring them up. I've always been a little bit more of the mindset of it, it's a little better to keep them down a little bit longer just to get a little of excess, a little bit, just to get their playing ability back up to snuff. Like I've seen it happen way too many times with the Mariners, with guys say like Justin Smoke is one that big one, a Dustin Ackley as well. It's, it's one that like, you know, it, you never know how it's going to work until it actually happens. But at the same time right now, I, I want nothing but the best for this kid because I want to see good baseball happen. And from what you're talking about, Splash, this guy really sounds like he's got the full package ready to go. Uh, does need to work a little bit on the walks, but, you know, hey, can't be perfect at everything. So I, I want to see him succeed well. But what I do want to see is how well is he going to do in the first two months when you let him go out and play? Right now, we, like we see a lot of prospects, especially recently come on, you know, like J-Rod or Bobby, uh, Bobby Wood Jr. 
that have either, you know, immediately come out tearing the cover off the ball and then slump out or the reverse or just completely slump out. We haven't seen too many young rookies recently that have started hot and continued hot. We thought Wander Franco was, but he started to cool off just a little bit. So here's my here's what I want to ask you, Splash. Where do you see him going at the start of this uh, year right now for the Braves? Where do you see him kind of sliding in? Like you said, he's going to be kind of that dual leadoff type scenario here. Uh, where do you project his success to go, at least for the first two months? Yeah, looking at it, I this season, I'm not, I don't really care what happens with the bat, frankly. I think the speed factor is important there and the defense factor is important. The Braves have had several of these top notch defensive players come through their system. Pache Waters, for example. Harris is like up there with those guys. So what I'm looking for is, is he playing a good defensive center field? That's important. Um, because that opens up Duval to play like an elite left fielder, right field. He's a very good defensive center fielder, but you can put him in left or right and save Acuna or save Ozuna. And it just gives you another weapon, if you will. And the the speed as well. The Braves are, you know, stealing a lot of bases. Dansby has some steals. Ozzy has some steals. Acuna, I believe, has the most steals in Major League Baseball since he came back from injury. So I'm looking looking at this and saying, you know, be that traditional number nine hitter. If you bat 200, congratulations. You're already playing better than Travis Demerit and honestly better than Adam Duvall half the time. So even if you're maybe a 75 OPS plus, as much as I don't want to say that, it's okay because he brings a lot of value in other parts. He's going to play a good defensive center field. He's going to run the base as well. Um, and he's just like an energy guy. And I'm really happy that he's up another left-handed bat. Uh, I was actually incorrect earlier. I made a post about him and uh, baseball reference has him listed as a switch hitter. Uh, MLB.com has him listed as a lefty. So I'm sure he like made the Cedric Mullins kind of switch there, but you know, I'm excited. You bring in another left-handed bat, a good defensive player. And at a certain point, I understand your concern with bringing up guys that are super young and it could be a hit or miss. I I don't know if this is a projection thing. I, I think he might just be a better player than Travis Demerit is right now. And it's a, maybe a necessary evil. This isn't a, well, let's move him up to the majors and hope he does well. It's a, we need to move him up to the majors because our current starting third outfielder in Travis Demerit is, has not been very good the last month or so. So I, I think it was more of a necessary thing than a, oh, let's see how he develops because he played fewer games and above a ball than Andrew Jones and Andrew Jones only played 50 and he came up at 19. So yes, COVID has a role in that. And I think any, anytime you look at uh, minor league stats for guys that are coming up now, 2021, 2022, even 2023, 2024, to some degree, their minor league stats are not going to be as imposing as other players just because they missed that key year. And for Harris, it was a huge year that he's, you know, transitioning from a ball in 2020, he probably plays in high a ball, maybe gets into double a, and then he, in in non COVID timeline, he's probably playing in triple a this year rather than double a. And you have that smaller, smaller jump there, but I was really happy with how he took on double a um, from as, as far as I know, from any like player sources, that's the hardest jump going from rookie ball or a ball to double a ball, because at that point you're playing, you know, 
major league caliber players in theory, you're, you're not just playing, you're playing real pros at that point, rookie ball, a ball, you're going to have a lot of, you know, guys that are closer to that college level, closer to that, like indie ball kind of level. And now you're playing like the real guys, you're playing guys that could be on a major league roster. You're playing guys that are sometimes on the 40 man roster. And that's the, I'm excited. That's, that's the word for my, the day, you know, the Braves are a couple games below 500. If, if this is the kind of jump that, Hey, you know, that little bit of spark, that extra steel here, that, you know, going first to third on a single in the bottom of the eighth and you steal a run against like the Phillies or something like that. I think I trust Harris to do that more than Travis Demerit. So if it works, it works. You know, there's been plenty of Braves guys that have come up and had hot starts. I'm looking at you, Jeff Francoeur, looking at you, Austin Riley. And then there's been plenty of Braves that have scuffled and, you know, ended up going back down. Christian Pache, I'm looking at you. So I'm excited. And I think he's going to bring at least three tools to the table with defense speed and some bat to ball skills. So I'm really happy that you brought up Frank Coor because that was the first thing that came to my mind. And yeah, the problem is that with Frank Coor, he definitely did that. One of the um, uh, archetypes that I mentioned earlier were you start out incredibly strong and then just completely flounder. And yes, he had himself a long career, but it was a long career with a very, you know, average to below average war. If you want more information on Jeff Francois' career, go watch John Boyce's video on how my favorite worst baseball player. But um, I want- I'm a huge Frenchie fan, him, by the way. Same here, no, he's an amazing human being. The fact that you can that you can uh, basically turn uh, num- so his own niceness into numbers is incredible. Anyway, regardless, um, I, I want to see him succeed. I want to see him do very well just because I want to see good baseball. And I don't see why he was, especially if you're giving him the vouch that this is what it's looking like, then, hey, I you'll know me. I've always been a fan of like the 9-1-2 type uh, hitter, the double lead up. And if that works out especially well with him and Acuna, then, hey, you know what? More power to it. I like the, I've always liked the Braves Braves because, again, I grew up watching Chipper Jones. So I want to see the Braves succeed. And, you know, the Braves – I mean, Splash, you kind of said it. This Braves offense has struggled this year. They've been very inconsistent. I mean, they're 11th in the NL and run scored, which is disappointing. This is a team that normally has a pretty good offense. You know, out, obviously, Acuna missed a lot of time. Outside of him, really, I mean, this offense, especially the outfielders, have been dreadful. I mean, Ozuna with a 654 OPS, he's been – I mean, that's not good. Duvall, 537 Demerit actually has a higher OPS than Duvall, if you wouldn't believe it, 597. Uh, obviously, that's in fewer plate appearances. Alex Dickerson struggled badly in that stretch, too. Uh, I mean, outside of, like, William Contreras has been I, – I can't believe what he's doing. You know, in 58 plate appearances, he's hit seven homers, so he's been great. You know, Matt Olson has been all right. Austin Riley has been all right, although he's, his numbers are down from last year. He's leading the team in homers and RBIs. Or no, sorry, he's Dansby Swanson's leading the team in RBIs. And he's been better as of late, but really a lot of, a lot of the hitters on this team have been struggling. And so maybe, just maybe Michael Harris could be the guy that comes up and is that spark plug. I mean, we were talking about his numbers this year, 305 average, 
372 slugging percentage, 506 slugging. Uh, so an 878 OPS this year is the highest he's had it uh, over the course of a season uh, in the minors, but he's only played 43 games above high A, like you said. So, you know, hopefully they're not rushing him to the majors because I have seen that in the past. I kind of feel like that's what the Mariners did with Jared Kelnick last year. And that, that ended up hurting him big time. But I think, you know, Harris could be the spark plug that these Braves need to get going. I mean, they're seven and a half games back of the Mets in, uh, in the NL East. They're 21 and 24. So it's definitely, it hasn't been a great start, but it took the Braves a while to find their, their groove last year. So maybe, maybe Michael Harris is their, their answer right there. I remember the last time the, the Braves had a big prospect, a uh, big local outfield prospect. It was Jason Hayward. And I remember Hayward was pretty productive with the Braves. I'll, he didn't turn into the superstar we thought he was, but I remember he, he was a, a pretty solid player, good hitter and good fielder. And I think Harris can hit, he can run, he can field. I think he is a very, he's a very bright future ahead of him. So uh, it's good for the Braves that they're calling him up and they, they recognize that they have a need in the outfield. And rather than trying to, you know, make a, desperation trade in may they've called up their top prospects so good for the good for him uh, any other thoughts on uh on this yeah I, I think you hit the nail on the head there that um he could be the spark plug and even if that's like i said with base running a defense if what he bring what what i anticipate him bringing as a center fielder is going to make duval that much better because you're moving him from you know, a place where he's pretty good in center field to a place where he is one of the best defensive uh, corner outfielders in baseball. That makes life easier for Ozuna and Acuna because you only have to play one of them in the field. You either play Ozuna in left and have Duvall in right and then have Acuna DHing, or you have Duvall in left, Acuna in right, and Ozuna DHing. That makes life easier for everyone as far as I'm concerned. And really, that's the important thing here is you're just kind of moving pieces around on the chessboard. And I think that sometimes all it takes is one reshuffle of the deck and you, Adam Duvall, begin, begins playing better because he's he doesn't have as much defensive responsibility. Or Acuna and Ozuna can have more productive days as a DH or have more productive days in general because they get you know more DH time. And when Dansby's coming into form, Riley had a moonshot yesterday. Olsen is, you know, a doubles machine. I, I believe he still leads Major League Baseball in doubles. I don't know if Freeman had one last night. Um, but, uh, yeah, he still leads Major League Baseball in doubles. So I think there's there's a lot going right for the Braves. They've had good pitching as well for the most part. Anderson was had five really good innings last night before allowing a couple home runs. Um, but, I mean, I think – you're kind of going to get what you get from the Braves here. Freed's been very good. Wright has been very good. My guy, Spencer Strider has been fantastic um, out of the bullpen. Maybe you bring him up as like the, the fifth starter because the fifth starters for the Braves this season have been disastrous to say the least, but Mike Soroka is, you know, going through his rehab process. So he could be another, you know, injection into the arm, if you will, of this team, July, August. And, you know, that's when the Braves have played their best baseball the last couple of years. They had a, a great run in 2020 in the shortened season. And last year, after the All-Star break, after like August 15th, they were a, a, on pace to win like 120 games. So I think progress is being made, and that's the important thing. 
Yeah, no, I think, I think, I mean, I think eventually the Braves will round into form. And I, I really don't expect them to stay this far back in the playoffs. I think they're going to be above 500. I think they're a playoff team when they, when they're all clicking, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do because obviously, you know, the Mets and Braves have only played one series this year, which they split. So yeah, I feel like that's not an accurate representation of these two teams. I think they are pretty evenly matched, especially once when they're, when they're both healthy. So I, I'm excited to see uh, how this affects the division race. Uh, but anyways, moving on, we're going to be talking about a former Brave who is going in the opposite direction of Michael Harris as Dallas Keuchel designated for assignment by the White Sox this afternoon, just shortly before we got on air. I mean, he's been a disaster this year. I know White Sox fans have been tired of this, tired of his performance. They gave him a three-year contract back. After the 2019 season, he's been just awful uh, this year. Uh, guys, what are your thoughts on Dallas Keuchel? So, okay, I'll start off with this. Then uh, Dallas Keuchel, a great addition to any roster, as long as, you know, if you're starting five, you have a good few 90 overalls. Oh, wait a minute. We're not talking about the show. Wait, we're not talking about MLB the show and his 92 overall Cy Young card? No. Okay, look. We're talking about Keuchel that is an aging veteran that has, in my opinion, like he's been able to do good at times, but even then, like his stuff has always kind of seemed hittable. And that's just kind of, I guess, my opinion on it. But I look at what he's done over his career. And I mean, let's be real. Let's be real right now with Keuchel, okay? He's definitely getting a bit up there in age he's 34 years old now and for a you know a lefty starting pitcher you need to see what he can do at this age you when you sign into a deal you need to make sure that that deal is for the pitcher you are right now not the pitcher you have been this season has not been good for him where on the season right now he has an era of just under eight like do i need to say that again an era just under eight a war of negative 1.1 this far into the young season with a two and five record. He has only struck out 20 batters and has a whip of 2.156. That's bad. That's very, very bad. Like I get it. Yeah. His days with the Astros, absolutely phenomenal. But since being with the Astros really hasn't done a whole lot. Um, I mean, even looking at his uh, little stint in Atlanta here, where he had an ERA plus of one two two, and since joining with the White Sox, it's been it's 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 not it's not been great, um, <laughs> especially with his you know he had a really good you know he had a really good twenty twenty season where he had an ERA plus of two twenty four, like. I look at Keuchel, and I just think that at this point around, he might need to be done pretty soon. 34 is not an ideal age where you still think, you know, hey, you can go a little bit longer. But I think what, if he has any value right now, any more value for Keuchel is going to have to be, like, as not a front-end starter or not even a mid-end starter. He's going to be a back-end starter that should go to a team that has young starting pitching. So he can help mentor them. He has been through a lot. He has, what, 
He's like he is a two-time All-Star. He's been and won one World Series. He's even won a Cy Young Award. So, I think that with Keiko right now, any team that signs him does not sign him to be a true player. I think this he's getting to that point in his career where he just needs to be the mentor type uh, type idea. And I'm sorry because again, he's done a lot of good work. He's decimated the Mariners a good few times, but right now, what matters most. You know, because this 2022 Dallas Keuchel has just been kind of embarrassing. Yeah, I I don't think Keuchel really has the stuff to be a major league pitcher at this point. And, you know, former Cy Young winner, he was even fifth place just three years ago or in 2020. Like, that's crazy. I, I'll give him credit there. But like at this point, he is walking five and a half batters per nine. That's not good. Um, his strikeout rate is below six strikeouts per nine over the last three seasons and i think this is just going to be one of the growing pains with having such a talented youth system across baseball that you're going to have guys that he's a cy young award winner in 2015 he was an all-star in 2017 won a world series he was a top five cy young vote getter an mvp vote getter in 2020 but i i think this is a case of the game has kind of passed him by and the the White Sox, I'm sure, have 10 guys that can throw 100 somewhere on the farm. And that that's probably a better major league pitcher than Dallas Keuchel is right now. And when you have stuff like Keuchel that's not necessarily swing and miss stuff, you're subject to these wild ebb and flows. And is Keuchel a better pitcher than a 7.88 ERA? Probably. I'll give him that. I, I don't know what his uh, expected ERA is right now, but for... His FIP, for example, is almost two runs lower, but his FIP is still 6.20. That's bad. He's allowing 1.7 home runs per nine. That's a career high rate. Walks, career high rate. Uh, strikeouts lowest since 2012. It's just not a productive pitcher. Um, could he be a, a, like a double A arm, triple A arm, and maybe you figure out something? Someone floated out that they wanted to see him go to Tampa and get like rejuvenated or someone that I saw floated out that he should go to Tampa. Um, I, I don't even know if that's the case. I think this is just a unfortunate scenario that just bad timing, I guess that he is a, a pitcher that maybe 20 years ago would still be pitching, you know, into his late thirties. But now <clears throat> you have so many talented arms across major league baseball. If you, say like the, you're the Braves, right? The Braves want another bullpen arm. Are you taking him over Spencer Strider? Are you sending Strider down to Triple Eight? No. Are you sending it like Jackson Stevens? No. Like even uh, the guy Dylan Lee, a World Series star- starter, Dylan Lee. For some reason, I, you're going to take Lee, and I, I could list off every Braves reliever, and I'd probably prefer to have the current reliever than Dallas Keuchel, right? And you can, I'm sure Matt can do the same thing for the Mets. I'm sure Alex can do the same thing for the Mariners, and. I'm sure if you expand this, you can do it for your team. If you're a, a Rays fan or a Yankees fan or a Cubs fan, you can have the same conversation of there might be one pitcher on your roster that you'd prefer to have. You'd prefer to have Keuchel over that pitcher. So I just think like respect to Keuchel. He was pr- pretty solid with the Braves in 2019. He of course was really good with the Astros for, you know, five, six years, but just, uh, just out of it now and just looking at his numbers i mean beyond that horrendous uh 7.88 era 
I mean, his whip is over two this year in 32 innings. He has 20 walks against 20 strikeouts. That's never a good sign. He's given up 13.8 hits per nine. Opponents are hitting 343 against him with a 945 OPS. That is absolutely awful. Uh, he's giving up the highest fly ball rate of his career too. Uh, 25% line drive rate. I mean, here's the thing is that with that 2020 season, he had a one on the surface, the 1.99 ERA. All right, that looks great. A 29.3 line drive percentage. He actually had a an expected ERA of 4.27 that year. This year, he has an expected ERA of 4.48. So that just kind of shows that, like, that 2020 season was an anomaly completely. And I'm not saying he he's as bad as he is this year, but I don't think he's as good as he was in 2020. And I don't think he'll ever be the pitcher he was back in 2015. I mean, he was fantastic in 2015. I, I mean, only a 3.3% barrel percentage that year. He his average exit velocity was only 85.7 that year. He was downright dirty that year. He had a high strikeout rate that year. I mean, he was, he was outstanding that year. He fully deserved that Cy Young award. But since then, I mean, 2017, he was pretty good. Yeah. He got injured, but he was, he was good. I mean, the thing is he's never really been a huge strikeout guy. He's never been a hard thrower, never really averaged more than 90, 91 on his fastball. But this year, I mean, he's averaging 87 on his sinker. And he's getting touched up. I mean, they're hitting 333 against him. They're slugging 471. Uh, they're they're average. They're their ex his ex woba against is four or is sorry his woba uh, opponents woba is 411 this year. That's awful. I mean, there's just not many encouraging stats here. And he's the guy. He's 34. I mean, I highly doubt he can really work as a reliever. I mean, maybe you try turning him into like a lefty specialist type guy, like like kind of what the Mets are doing with Joel A. Rodriguez. But like, I just, I, I don't see much value in him anymore. So I know he's had a pretty solid career, but really I don't know what his role would be. I don't know what team would use him. So this is, this is really disappointing. I mean, that's the thing that outside of the 2020 season, Keuchel's ERA with the uh, with the White Sox is 5.71 over 40 appearances, 37 starts. Like, this is not a guy who would easily transition to being a a reliever. And you know, you could say, oh, but is the BABIP against him is 364? Well, the BABIP, I mean, even looking at like like I was saying, he's allowing more fly balls. He's allowing a lot of line drives. His ground ball rate is down. Actually, his ground ball rate while it's still over 50% is the lowest it's been over any full season that he's pitched. So there's not much to be encouraged over. So I don't know what team will sign him. Maybe he just decides to have a retirement tour and sign with the Astros. Maybe he just retires here. Thing is, if he goes to the Astros, I don't know what he would do there. Like you could say he could be a veteran presence, but I mean, they had that with Zach Rangy last year and he's gone. Uh, I mean, Keiko just, I don't see what value he has anymore. So, yeah, I it's unfortunate, but that's where we're at right now. Any other final thoughts on Keuchel? So, when it comes to the idea of him becoming a reliever, it works well for some uh, pitchers. But usually how I see it is that it works for pitchers that have a little bit of velocity to them, where they are throwing as a starter, maybe in the low to mid-90s and, you know, 
at least like, you know, have a good fast, maybe a cutter, maybe a sinker in there too. Because then at that point, then they don't have to hold back their arm as much anymore. And then if their task was just going one in it, they can really let it all out. Like uh, an example of this that worked well with Seattle years ago was a guy by the name of Blake Bevin that was absolutely horrendous as a starter. Guy, it was actually a joke where it took him, I think, like, what, six? Uh, I think it took him, like, actually six or seven games before he finally got his first major league win. But um, then he became a reliever, and he was actually lights out for a good while. Like, again, it wasn't, it wasn't a very long while, mind you, but it's still pretty, pretty solid. And I, I'd take that. When it comes to Keigel, though, is that he doesn't have that velocity. He doesn't have that kind of swing and miss stuff that we're talking about where he only needs to go one inning. No, he has stuff that is, you know, more pitch to contact. And the problem is that contact is becoming line drives and fly balls as opposed to weak ground balls, which is what you need to be if you're going to be pitched to contact. Yes, Splash, you got anything? Yeah, I, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with, like, the peripherals are bad on-field performance is bad like there's not a there's not a you know uh silver lining here it's just there's all bad that there's pitchers across the league that well maybe they're getting touched up now but oh they're trending up like hunter green right hunter green's allowed like all of the home runs this year but oh he throws like 100 um he strikes out guys a bunch and we saw in actually in between recording sessions he had seven and a third innings of a no hitter so and struck out like 10 right so most pitchers if you're if your pitcher is struggling you're gonna look for like silver lining keichel doesn't have one and that's it is kind of sad to see yeah it's, it's funny uh not slash alex you mentioned blake bevin because i saw him pitch his rookie year i remember he actually looked all right that game it's just that the the mariners bullpen blew it uh in cleveland but anyway uh, moving on, I mean, we're, well, why don't we stay on the Mariners for a second? Uh, they haven't had a lot of things to get excited about this year, but lately Julio Rodriguez has looked like the player we thought he was going to be. He's hitting, he's hitting home runs now. He's stealing bases. He's leading, leading the majors with 13 steals. He's playing defense. He's doing everything, and he's looking like the five-tool player uh, we expect him to be. Uh, Alex, you're the Mariners guy here. Uh, talk to us about about Julio Rodriguez. You want me to talk about Julio Rodriguez? You want me to talk about Julio Rodriguez? Well, hey, be careful what you wish for because I'm about to talk to you about Julio freaking Rodriguez. This guy has been electric. I love watching this kid play. It's, I really don't want to bring this out lightly because it's been done before and I need to make sure it's still kept well. Watching him play is like watching Griffey. Like, I'm being dead honest. Watching him play center field, watching him at the ditch, he has this level of confidence about him that players like Helmick don't have. That when he is at the dish, aside from that first month, or he was batting like, what, 170, 180? He has looked like he is comfortable there. And it has shown at the dish where he is getting slap hits. He's hit, starting to hit dingers. He just took Justin Verlander deep oppo taco for two yesterday. Like, 
that was beautiful to see, especially since earlier in the season, Justin Verlander, uh, I think, threw a complete game shutout against us. But, hey, you know what? Say love But, no, Julio Rodriguez has looked incredible this year. Just from the eye candy test alone, watching him play, he has confidence at the dish. When you see him out in center field, he hustles. He plays the game. He actually tries, whereas I see a lot of guys, they will put in some effort, but not try. Rahulio Rodriguez tries. Watching him go, I've seen him make amazing catch after amazing catch. I don't feel like he's a liability out in the outfit like we've seen with some other guys. And that's why I kind of like to bring the Griffey comparison into it. Is because he's got the pop, he's got the bat, he's got the fielding. On top of it, he even steals bases. He's, I think, right now we were talking about this earlier. Leads the league of stolen bases, like that's impressive. It's extremely impressive. I'm looking at Julio this season. Right now, already has a as a one WAR on the season, batting two sixty six. It was actually a little bit higher, a little a uh, little bit recently, but that's okay. Um, but so an on-base percentage of 319 and slugging a very nice 420 and an OPS plus of about 119. At the beginning of the season, everyone was a little bit worried about him because he had that beginning of the season that was just bad. It took him a while to get that first major league hit. But you know what? He got it. And then finally got his first major league home run against Miami and has not looked back since. It's currently leading the league at th- with 13 stolen bases, does have 22 RBIs on the season, and he's really starting to pick things up. The stats are a little bit skewed down just because of a bad first month, but watching him play now, there's a reason why he's either the cleanup hitter or the number three hitter every day right now for Seattle as a rookie. He is amazing at the moment right now in these 182 plate appearances he has put together so far a season that honestly at this point just in this these two months has been more impressive than anything we've seen from guys like say Kelnick who again still has time to work things out he's back down now in AAA but watching what uh, Rodriguez has done over the course of now especially just the last month like we were looking at some stuff earlier about just players that have done well in the last, you know, 20 games or so and or last 20 days and looking at what he's been able to do as just a pure batting aspect. Just take a quick look at the stat line, a 314 batting average with a 909 OPS and slugging 557. This is a kid that has not even had 200 major league plate appearances yet. And he is absolutely working it. Watching him go, he's even walking, you know, a a good amount, not amazing amounts, you know, mind you. But on the season so far, you know, I look at it and he's got a good, he's already got 12 walks. I mean, and then he's only been costing like three times out of his 13 makes that he's had. I look at this and the stats are showing a lot of good things. He has already struck out 56 times. I will say that that is a bit of a problem, but I'm going to attribute a lot of that to that first month of just learning everything. And also the fact that I think what was it, 15 of them were on pitches that were outside the zone. So yeah, we've already talked about that. So with Lewis, I see that with Lewis, with Rodriguez, he is playing 
phenomenal baseball right now. And if he keeps this up, I think it's going to be hard for him not to win the rookie of the year. Amen to that. He has been sensational. And I think the only thing is stopping him from winning rookie of the year is a certain other J name uh, in the AL West. But regardless, Julio Rodriguez has been on a tear, like you mentioned, the last few weeks, just unreal. Steals are coming. The walks are not the walks. The, the steals are coming. The home runs are coming. He's been unreal. He's been a like, uh, I think he's uh, right next to Dansby Swanson in terms of effective major leaguers in the last 20 days. Uh, Dansby is 36th in OPS. Julio is 37th, a 909 OPS over the last 20 games or over the last 20 days, rather. That's better than Shohei Otani. That's better than our Lord and Savior, Brandon Nemo. That's better than Miguel Cabrera, George Springer, Manny Machado. Manny Machado might win the National League MVP. And Julio Rodriguez has had like a 20-day stretch better than him. So big props to Julio. It's it's super exciting to see young players like Julio, uh, like Rutschman, like Witt, uh, Torkelson, et cetera. It's exciting to see these guys have their moments of, you know, Julio Rodriguez leading the majors in stolen bases. He has six home runs. He has an OPS plus of 119. You know, that batting average is creeping up closer to 300 every day. And I'm, I'm excited. I think it's awesome for baseball that, you know, we have a, a, I I think a star here that the funny part here is on baseball references, nicknames are J rod or Acuna. So if there's, if there's anything telling you how good Julio Rodriguez might be, his nickname is, quite literally Acuna. So I'm excited. Baseball is in a great spot. Yeah. And I uh, got to see J-Rod play in person at City Field uh, a couple weeks ago. And he went four for four that game with a home run and uh, a couple RBIs. And just watching him play, like he was very quick on his feet uh, in center field. You know, he's a guy who averages almost 30 feet per second. So he's an elite runner. He's in the 90th percentile for outs above average. So he's a great athlete. He's a great fielder. I mean, he, he does it all. He, he's, he's really turning into a great player. I know that he strikes out a bit much, and he's going to have to cut down on that. I mean, he's striking out about 30% of his plate appearances. But, I mean, he's hitting the ball hard. He's, he's running well. He's, you know, he's getting it together. And I, I'm, I'm happy that he's doing so because I really think that he can help help this Mariners team uh, try to turn things around. And like I said, they're off to a bit of a slow start, but I think as he's getting it together, I think the team will slowly but surely get it together. So yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited for him. Like Slash said, I think it's good for baseball that we have a guy like this uh, performing well. I mean, I think, I I, I think that he is probably going to be the rookie of the year. And I, it's, it's hard to argue against that really. So that that's my take on J Rod. I mean, I, man, I, I'm excited to see his career unfold. I really think that once once Kelnick comes back up, if he does, uh, it'll be you know with Kelnick, Rodriguez, and and Lewis in the outfield. I think the Mariners will have a young, exciting outfield. So that that's that's my take on on J Rod. Any any other final thoughts? So. Um... Kind of interesting. I, I don't really want to see Lewis in the outfield too much I, just because he is so injury prone. I like to see him at DH and, you know, maybe working him and Hanniger together when Hanniger comes back. But um, there's one thing I do want to say when it comes to J-Rod, and that is that 
when he plays, you probably saw a little bit of it when, you know, when you were at City Field. When he plays, there's an energy around him that is infectious to the other players around him. If you've ever watched like the video on after a home run for him or after a big double that brings in runs, when he comes back to the dugout, the players surround him. He has an infectious aura that is positive. And I love seeing that. With Kelnick, that's kind of the problem I have with him right now. Is that as much as I love his swagger and I love that people do try to, you know, imitate that when he plays, when he's down, he is angry. He brings people down. And I feel like he needs to work on that a little bit. But again, you know, I'm I'm not him and I can't, you know, speak for him on any of this. But when it comes to J-Rod, even when he was going through this stretch at the beginning of the year, people didn't look down around him. People weren't, he didn't bring other people down. He brought people up. And I love every time that I check my phone and I see, you know, there's an update from the Mariner game. Because sometimes I'm just not able to, you know, go and watch it. I just see every single update seems to mention J-Rod in some way. J-Rod, two-run home run, or a double brings in J-Rod scores, or J-Rod hits a single two-run score. And I love seeing that just because at this point right now, the team is really rallying around this young kid. And he's someone that, you know, baseball needs players like J-Rod that are young, that are explosive, and are fun to watch while also being a player that people are okay to watch and listen to. Being a player that people want to come and see their smile, to see the players rally around them. And that's exactly what J-Rod is for Seattle so far. Flash, any other thoughts? I'm just super excited to see the rest of the season. You have the, the AL Rookie of the Year race. You have, um, I totally just blanked on his name. Jeremy Pena has been crazy good. Julio Rodriguez. Maybe you get Bobby Witt, Spencer Torkelson. These guys heat up. Uh, Jose, Jose Siri for the Astros as well. Um, it's just a super exciting time to be a baseball fan. I think most teams around the league can, can attest to that unless you're like a Cubs fan. Yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely is an exciting time. And I think, uh, obviously, uh, Joe Ryan for the twins. I know he's on the IL right now, but he's also going to throw his name into the, into the, the ring for the rookie of the year this year, but. Anyways, there's also been a few other players who've been catching fire. Uh, in the NL, there's uh, Pete Alonzo and Paul Goldschmidt have both been uh, tearing it up. Uh, Alonzo leads the majors with 45 RBIs and has set the Mets franchise record for most RBIs before Memorial Day. For reference, no other player in the NL has more than 37 this year. And then there's Paul Goldschmidt, who's hitting 443 over the last 20 days with a 1374 OPS a guy who's off to a bit of a slow start but he's clicking 25 RBIs in that span too I mean oh and Mookie Betts Mookie Betts has been cooking absolutely cooking right when everyone thought maybe Mookie Betts was starting to fall off he's been tearing the cover off the ball eight homers in the last 19 games so these guys are rolling what, what do we make of uh, all these these recent hot streaks. I mean, how does this shake up maybe the, the NL MVP race? I mean, I think Goldschmidt is closing any sort of gap you had. If there was a gap, 
Um, of course, Machado has still been balling out for the Padres, and the Padres have been very good. But Goldschmidt, over the last 17 games, is a 1374 OPS. No one is with the 100 points. He's just been ridiculous. Bryce Harper is throwing his name back into the ring. He's been on a tear. He's third in OPS over the last 20 days. Uh, Mookie Betts, another guy that's been unreal. CJ Crone uh, just tied him with 13 home runs. We're recording. This is 256 right now. Crone hit his 13th earlier today. And again, like I said, with uh, the Julio Rodriguez talk, it is just awesome to see these guys balling out. Um, it's great to see an offensive uptick, some guys like actually playing really well for once because the first month of the season was a bit of a slog with offense. So like even if you jump to the American League, Judge has been just ding dong city, essentially. Trevor Story has nine home runs in the last 20 days. Jeremy Pena, like I mentioned, he's has an OPS over a thousand. But we have before we move on, we have to touch on William Contreras, who has been the sixth best hitter by OPS over the last 20 days. He has five home runs for the Braves. The Braves have been so starved for offense that a natural catcher in Contreras has played left field. He has been DHing. So the Braves have had double catcher lineups a lot of days that Acuna misses the last week or so that, you know, you're trying to get Darno, who's been like a reasonable hitter this season, and then Contreras, who might be is the top 10 hottest hitter on the planet right now. So good time for baseball. I, I don't think William Contreras is going to like be an all-star or anything or like win a silver slugger, but it is super exciting to see him come around and be just a menace at the plate. Yeah, I think right now, at least for me, like the last 20 days, I've really kind of shown a lot of things here. And I think the number one player has already been kind of been touched on, but I want to make sure I touch on it as well. And that's Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt, I mean, if you take a look at his stats on the season so far, we're only, we're not, we're not even, what, two full months in? And he already has a war of 2.4. Like, that's really impressive. An OPS right now of over 1,000. The guy's been absolutely mashing the baseball. The 345 batting average on top of all of it. Like, I mean, come on. For the last few years, you know, he's been, you know, constantly really in that upper echelon of, you know, better first baseman in baseball. I mean, we take a look at take a look at his baseball reference page. There hasn't been a year since 2015 where he hasn't been in the MVP discussion. 2014 was the last year he was not, and that even then. Even then, in 2013, he finished as the runner-up for MVP with also an all-star appearance, a gold glove, and a silver slugger. I mean, come on. Look, I love what I'm seeing from Goldie because he's a player that I really respect. He's a first baseman, just like me. But on top of it, he's also got a little bit of wheels on him, too. I mean, he has one season where he stole 32 bags. Like, you don't see first baseman stealing 32 bags. And even this season so far already has three stolen bases which again, you know, not an insane amount, but pretty good. And if the season were to end today, which I hate that stat, but whatever, um, if the season were to end today, he would have the highest OPS of his career right now at a one at a 1,014. His next highest was in that 2015 season where he finished the season with a 1,005 OPS and yet still didn't win the MVP. Hmm. But I look at this right now and I'm really excited to see Goldschmidt, because he's a player, like, again, I like. I like seeing it. He's been hitting the ball very well. 
already has nine homers on the season with 36 RBIs. This guy has been demolishing the base one. And like Splash said, right now is really closing that gap. I feel like Goldschmidt's one of those guys who's always been underrated throughout his career. Like, you look at him and he's he actually hasn't made an all-star game since 2018, even though he definitely had a case last year. Again, though, he, he, he's one of those guys who it takes him a little more time to get going, but still he's a six-time all-star and he's never won an MVP, which is hard to believe because he's had a couple of great seasons. Second in the MVP race in 2013 and 2015, third in 2017, sixth in 2018 and last year. I mean, he's a four-time gold glover, four-time silver slugger, and I didn't realize this, but in his 12 seasons, which counts his brief 48-game stint in 2011, he has 53 war, actually. So Paul Goldschmidt, under the radar, has been building an MVP case, uh, not a Hall of Fame case, I think. And I know that first base is a bit tougher uh, for players to get in. I mean, look at guys like, like Will Clark and, and Fred McGriff and Don Mattingly, who ha- all had cases but didn't get in. I think Goldschmidt has a legitimate case. You know, he, he's been a ton of fun to watch. I mean, even when he plays on a team like the Cardinals, where the, I, I sort of consider them a rival, uh, they, he's, him and Mookie Betts are tied for the NL lead in total bases this year at 101. So that's exciting. I, I want to touch on Mookie Betts for a bit because, like I said, he was, he, he was really struggling in the month of April. But now he's, lead, he's leading the NL with 13 homers. He's leading the majors in, with 48 runs scored. He's 31 RBIs, 11 doubles, a 974 OPS now. Uh, he, he's just he's playing like the vintage Mookie Betts that we all knew uh, with Boston when we when we what we saw in the shortened season in 2020. He looks like a complete player again. I mean, in fact, wow, I didn't even realize we were talking about Goldschmidt. Mookie Betts in nine seasons has 52.7 WAR. I know we're all saying, oh well, Mike Trout had how much more through nine seasons, like 75 or something. I mean, to be fair, Mike Trout is Mike Trout. And Mike Trout is also playing like Mike Trout this year. So he's getting up towards 80 war for his career, despite only having played, what, 10 full seasons? One of which was a, oh, not even 10 full seasons, really, because of all, because the injuries and the COVID year. So yeah, that's that. So Mookie Betts has been fantastic. I mean, what, what are your guys' thoughts on Mookie? Before we move on, I do want to say Crime Dog should be in the Hall of Fame. Will Clark should be in the Hall of Fame. Don Mattingly should be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Okay, great. Uh, Mookie Betts, um, the bane of my existence. He's on the the Mount Rushmore of athletes that I just like despise playing. This is with uh, Steph Curry. Uh, Anytime Lamar Jackson plays the Steelers and the Colorado Avalanche, they're all with Mookie Betts on this because during the the 2020 NLCS, I, I feel like the Braves had like bets on themselves to just hit the ball to Mookie like and just make a play or Bellinger that works too it felt like it just became a Mookie bets highlight reel he had like 17 it felt like 17 uh put outs a night but regardless Betts has been unbelievable um I think he's gonna be a hall of fame status like hall of fame lock as soon as he plays his begins his 10th season which I believe is next year like I he is what the 1B to Roberto Clemente's 1A in terms of defense and right field. He's probably going to win another gold glove this year. Tack on another silver slugger this year. Tack on more MVP votes this year. You know, he's a guy that had a 10-war season as a right fielder 
as a right fielder had a 10 war season. You, you just, that doesn't happen. And I believe he is. That was, that was, by the way, splash real quick. That was the year. He only played 136 games. Exactly. That's like trout. I don't believe has a 10.7 war season. That's just kind of incomprehensible what he did there. He's a guy that has finished runner up in MVP voting twice, sixth, another year, eighth, another year has a, has two world series rings, five gold gloves, probably going to be six this year. Four silver sluggers, probably going to be a fifth this year. He's a five-time all-star already, probably going to throw in a sixth one this year. And, you know, this year he's sneaking up on a 300, 400, 600 season. He leads the majors into, or he leads the National League in total bases, leads the majors in runs, uh, is tied for the NL lead in home runs now that CJ Crone went ding-dong earlier today. And, oh yeah, he's in the Do- he's on the Dodgers. So guess what? He might win a third World Series ring in, you might start having the conversation of is Mookie Betts like a top five right fielder in the history of the game. I, we are, I think entering this territory of you're not just comparing him to Acuna and Soto and Harper. You are starting to, you're going to start comparing him to some of the greatest players to ever play the game career. One thirty five OPS plus uh, sadly he's in, with the Dodgers. So his OPS is not going to be as quite as impressive as say, if he had stayed in Boston, but he's been just unfathomably unfathomably good for the Dodgers a 140 OPS and a 140 OPS plus in three seasons this is a guy that led the majors in slugging percentage in 2018 47 doubles 32 home runs this year he's you know on pace for like some gargantuan like 45 50 home runs and 40 or 50 doubles like come on now stop it this is a lineup that has a former MVP several other former MVPs, Freddie Freeman, Clayton Kershaw. Uh, you, you have Trey Turner, who again is exceptional. Justin Turner has been quite as good this season. Max Muncy has been a disaster, but at least he walks a lot still. Cody Bellinger, former NL MVP. He's been heating up of late and Mookie Betts is the centerpiece of it all. Once again, to the surprise of certainly not me. So yeah, I like Mookie a lot. I think Mookie is just a really good baseball player. The fact that he can do everything that he does do is impressive. He's got pop, he's got speed, he's got fielding ability, he's got arm, he's got it all. Like, I mean, he really is a five-tool type player. The one thing I do want to kind of bring is actually something that I have a little bit of a problem with what you said, Splash, and that is about having the conversation right now that he is a top five uh, right fielder with the caveat of the World Series championships, because it, I I never liked that idea that players are ranked based on how many World Series they have won, just because the game it's a one it's one player in a twenty six man roster forty man roster we really want to go deeper with it, and I just have never liked the idea that if you have more World Series wins than another person that you're just better than them or that it even helps in that, just because it's there's so many other factors that go into it. I think Mookie Betts is a potentially, once it's all said and done, a top 10 uh, right fielder in all of baseball, it's like, or in baseball history. But at the same time, like I don't want to put his World Series things in that. What I do want to see is right now that he has a career war of 52.7, that he has a career OPS of just under 900. That's not a single season. That's an entire career. This season, if you want to look at just that season, it's just under 1,000. Mookie Betts is a fantastic ball player and has done amazing things. 
in baseball so far. Back when he was with the with the Red Sox, did amazing things, and with the Dodgers, did amazing things. I like what I, I like what I see from Mookie. I think that if he continues on this pace, especially being surrounded by the gobs of talent that the MLB, the show Dodgers are, then I, I don't see how he doesn't, you know, win potentially maybe like another MVP if he doesn't, you know, get another World Series. But I want the main thing that if we are looking at like Hall of Fame candidacy later on and, you know, a true legacy left on, I don't, I don't want to say that the World Series matters when it comes to ranking where he's at. Okay, I, I'll... I agree with you there. Uh, it's kind of just like a, a cherry on top. Of course, like Hank Aaron only won one world series. Um, you know, Ted Williams left field. Yes, yes, yes. I get it. Never, never won a world series. So obviously the, the world series argument is flawed, but that is something that people care about. And I think that certainly helps his hall of fame case. does it help him comparing him to Frank Robinson. No. Or Al Kaline. No. But what does help? Oh, he is uh, his seven-year peak war is ninth among right fielders. This is the right field is like the cream of the crop baseball history in terms of like depth of Hall of Fame talent. Like Larry Walker is 12th on this list. Sammy Sosa is 13th. Ichiro is 14th. Tony Gwynn is 17th. Mookie Betts is ninth. And this year is almost certainly going to be one of his top seven years. That's going to move him above Al Kaline, one of the best players ever. And then you're in the top eight with Babe Ruth, literally Babe Ruth, the Babe Ruth, Stan the Man, Hank Aaron, Roberto Clemente, Mel Ott, Frank Robinson, Shoeless Joe Jackson. That's six inner circle Hall of Famers and a guy that is probably the best player not in the Hall of Fame, excluding guys that like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. Like, come on now. I, I just, the things that Mookie Betts can do on a baseball field, it is going to be very, and very, very quickly, he is going to have a legacy of his own with his defensive, you know, um, what's the word? Not repertoire, but like his defensive work over his nine seasons so far. He's about to have 200 home runs. He's closing in on 200 steals. Like the only guys at right field with 200 home runs and 200 seals. It's a very short list like Aaron and uh, Aaron. Let's see. We have Bobby Bonds, which is a little bit weird. Bobby Abreu, who should be in the hall of fame. I will not be taking any criticism there. Um, I agree see. there, by the way, Mets legend, Bobby Abreu. Also Reggie Sanders has 305 home runs, 304 stolen bases. Congratulations. Kurt Gibson's there too. Gary Sheffy. Okay. This is this list list. This list is a little bit longer than I thought it was, but you know, you're talking about one of the best defensive players ever, regardless of position. And then you throw in, Oh yeah, he's, you know, super, super productive at the plate. He has a higher career OPS plus than Al Kaline. He has a higher career OPS plus than, um, our Lord and Savior George Springer, actually. Uh, who was the name? Oh, Roberto Clemente has a career 130 OPS plus. Betts beats that. Sorry. Tony Gwynn, career 132 OPS plus. Oh, Mookie Betts beats that. Okay. Like, Betts just checks off every box. And Mac and I were talking earlier about how, like, Ozzy Albies checks off boxes. Albies, you're like, like, light pencil mark to check off the boxes. Mookie Betts is getting like notarized by the secretary of the, the state. Like, yep. He checks off the box. You get a big stamp. He checks off the box. You get a big stamp. Like, come on. 
like he is he's closer to Reggie Jackson in terms of hitting production than Roberto Clemente. That is just absurd. Yeah, and I mean, we, we were looking at like the, the Jaws leaderboards and stuff like that. I mean, you, you look at this and the so Mookie's war per 162 games, which I know isn't a, isn't like a, the best measurement, but the only player higher than him on this list is Babe Ruth. Uh, Mookie's war per 162 is 8.4 and his war seven is 47.7 right now. And uh, the ones higher than him are Al Kaline, Roberto Clemente, Frank Robinson, Mel Ott, my grandfather's favorite player, by the way, uh, Stan Musial, Hank Aaron, and Babe Ruth. And those guys are all in the Hall of Fame. And if you look at the guys ranked ahead of him, I mean, Dwight Evans, uh, D- Dwight Evans, Reggie Smith, Sammy Sosa are the ones who are for sure off, like not getting in. Uh, Bobby Abreu has, I think, should be in. And Ichiro Suzuki, who's going to be a slam dunk Hall of Famer. Oh, and don't forget uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, who would be in the Hall of Fame if it weren't for the Black Sox scandal. So, yeah, there's a, I mean, Mookie Betts is truly amazing. Uh, the one last player I want to talk about on today's show, I know I mentioned Pete Alonzo, but uh, getting a little tight on time. But Trevor Story has been unreal for the past two weeks. In the last 14 days, he has driven in 22 runs and hit eight homers. This is a guy who did not hit any homers in the month of April. He's now up to nine homers and 37 RBIs on the season. And uh, the Red Sox, uh, who won this afternoon on the back of a complete game from Nathan Eovaldi, bouncing back from a pretty bad loss yesterday against the Orioles. The Red Sox have won 12 of their last 17 games, and they're starting to look like they're starting to look like a team again. So, uh, I mean, Trevor Story might not be what he was with the Rockies in you know, 2017, 2018, 2019, but he's, he's really caught fire. What are you guys' thoughts on Trevor Story? I'm just going to uh, say I, this part. Oh, go ahead, Let Alex. me say this, if you don't mind, uh, Splash, for just for just this one. Um, take away seven of those home runs, because all seven of those home runs came during one series where he absolutely took a knife and chisel to the Seattle Mariners. Oh, yeah, I know. I think during that entire – I think during that series, I think he hit, like, what was it, like 10 to 10 to 13 RBIs? That yeah, one was series alone. It was so, Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel about Jock Peterson this past week against the Mets. Yeah. But that's the thing right now is that you take away that one series, I know, again, bad thing, don't take away the thing. But then he has two home runs, and he just absolutely went off for three days. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if I want to put too much stock in like him being absolutely incredible just yet because he had one series against. He kept, he kept it going. He kept it going against the White Sox, though. That's the thing. Did he? Because I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right then. Fair enough. But I'm just like, I watched him play, and it was the only time in the last year plus that I've actually felt like scared to see Trevor story. And like, I mean, yes, he's a good power threat. He's got deep, pretty solid speed and pretty decent ranges as well for a fielder. But I mean, he isn't the Trevor story that absolutely lit up the stat sheets when he was younger. He's not the Trevor story that was absolutely dominant from the field that you, that every time you saw him come up, he was the best player on the field. That's not him. 
right now this is a very much a toned down version of Trevor's story and then for one series against my beloved Mariners went and decided to say hey guess what I'm going to be Mike Trout plus Shohei Otani like that's what happened during that series and so I don't know how much I want but I want to see him continue on a little bit longer before I really say that you know he's on the hot that he's on this hot of a streak but you know what? Hey, you no know, good again. Don't want something portable. Good on him. I'm I'm happy that he did have a great series. Just not happy it was against the Mariners. <laughs> okay, so uh, first some housekeeping. Nolan Gorman, congratulations for his MLB home run. Paul Goldschmidt just hit his tenth home run. Uh, Adrian Hauser's getting lit up. Uh, but over the last eleven games, Mister Trevor Story is slashing 305. Yes, that is a nine in the the first digit of the slugging percentage column, eight home runs, seven walks, three steals, no caught stealings, 13 for 42. He has raised his season OPS by over 200 points. His batting average before this little streak was under 200. It's up to 227 now, which is not anything spectacular, but a 31 point jump in just two weeks is, you know, pretty impressive there. A 40 point jump it on base percentage and a near 200 point jump in slugging percentage no i don't think he's going to continue hitting you know his pace if you keep up this streak over 162 games he would have 118 home runs 103 walks and 44 steals he's not going to do that but you know just that presence in the lineup this this makes the Xander Bogarts decision that much more difficult. Do you say, hey, Bogarts, uh, scram and just move story over to shortstopper because he's, you know, playing really well. I, I don't have the defensive metrics pulled up, but historically he's been a very good defensive shortstop. And I would imagine a tad bit easier playing second base, although Boston has notoriously weird infields. But regardless, story's on an incredible run. It's good to see him bounce back. He had had, you know, had a 500 OPS until May 15th. So, you know, I'm glad to see he's back. Also glad to see Nady Uvaldi bounced, uh, bounced way back and had a complete game today. Big time for my fantasy team. I was going to say, I have Nady Uvaldi on a couple of my fantasy teams. So I, for one, am quite glad he threw a complete game today. Uh, free runs, two earned. Uh, and also, you mentioned Nolan Gorman for a second. His home run went 449 feet, so he got every stitch of that. Uh, but Trevor's story, I mean, this, I mean, it, it, everyone was concerned, like, you know, he's, you know, he's away from cores now. Maybe he's not going to be as good. But, A, he's playing second base, which I really think he should be a shortstop still because Xander Bogarts is a terrible defensive shortstop. But he's, I feel like he's the reason why the Red Sox have, gotten back into it a little bit you know all of a sudden they're creeping back towards 500 they're they're winning games their offense is actually scoring runs like they put up 16 against uh the white Sox the other night i mean actually they did that twice they had two huge games against the white Sox, and story was very much a part of them so i think that if he keeps it going i think the red Sox are going to keep rolling and i you know rafael devers has been great lately jd martinez has been great it's been outside of, you know, outside of those two guys and Xander Bogarts, the offense really was not doing much for Boston. But now you add in story hitting, you know, you, you start getting more results out of the guys around the team. 
And, you know, I, th- I think that the Red Sox are a better team than their record showed early in the season. I don't necessarily think they're as good as their record shows right now. I don't think they're a team that continues to have a winning percentage around 700, but I think they're a very good team. And I, I, unfortunately, the AL East is really tough. In fact, the Red Sox have lost ground in the AL East race in that stretch, which is hard to believe. But I think, I think when, when Story's hot, he's very hard to get out. And right now, that's, that's the case. I know he still strikes out a lot, but he's always had crazy, crazy big power. And he's always been a fast runner. He's always been a good defender. So good for Trevor. And, you know, he's on a big contract, so they can only hope he keeps playing the way he, he's playing. So, yeah, big, big ups, Trevor Story, for turning things around. I mean, it's very easy for, for guys to get caught up in the mental thing and keep slumping. But he's rolling. The Red Sox are rolling. I'm excited to see how that ALE shapes out. So uh, that basically covers everything we were going to talk about today. Guys, any thoughts on anything we've talked about today? Anything maybe we missed or something? or uh, well, Talk to me a little bit. Uh, I don't know if our listeners have heard my Ronald Acuna propaganda. Uh, Ronald Acuna is just statistically the best leadoff hitter in the history of Major League Baseball. Uh, I just want that to sink in. There is no player that has both more plate appearances as the leadoff hitter, as the number one hitter, and a higher OPS than Acuna. So um, I'm glad he is back in the lineup today. He had a quad contusion or something like that he missed the last couple nights but i'm excited to watch michael harris i'm super excited to watch ronald acuna tonight so go braves i'm uh, splash i'm pretty sure that everyone who has ever listened to this show knows about your ronald acuna propaganda so you, you can rest easy on that front okay i do have a question who do i like propagandize more on this show acuna or strider acuna acuna <laughs> Really? Because I, I feel like <laughs> I've been like pump, close, buddy. <laughs> I've, I've been pumping the Strider buttons like the last couple weeks. You know, did you know that he has a FIP of zero point zero five this month? True story. He's walked Julio two Rodriguez guys in like really eleven cool. innings. <laughs> Strider is like. You know, Pete Alonso leads the majors in RBIs this year. Okay, Mac. I did not ask for any of your sass. Also, Did we didn't touch that, on the uh, Julio Rodriguez did, leading the league in stolen bases. Okay, well, until Acuna comes back, uh, we did not touch on the Tommy Pham, Jock Peterson fiasco. Oh my God. The, there's a video that came out while we were recording, and it's just yep. like Pham <laughs> and Jock like meet in the outfield, like on the warning track, and Peter and Pham just whack. Uh, he got suspended for three style. games. Oh my oh, goodness. <laughs> Although mean, it appears that Tommy Pham did win the league. He w- did win the championship from what this looks like. Or yeah. Yeah. Oh, from man. what it looks like. Jock. He, he won it. So he still slapped Jock. So Pham gets the fantasy W and the suspension. So who really won there? I think Pham wins, honestly. Pham, 100%. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's. I, I that, that that's my honest take. Also, you mentioned Jock, and I, I mentioned it for a second, but like what he did against the Mets this past week was absolutely insane. And uh, fun fact, he did have a conference with Barry Bonds before he hit those three homers on Tuesday night. So I wonder what Barry told him or gave him, or who knows. Uh, maybe it had something honestly, to do with a needle going somewhere. No, I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm I mean, not gonna maybe he was, he was just telling him probably to eat a balanced breakfast before every game. Yeah, don't strike out against Je- uh, Jenny Finch. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Also, did you know that uh, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance, by the way, uh, in case <laughs> yes. in case you forgot? Uh, did you know did that Arby's has uh, the meats? Nationwide uh, is on your side. That. Wait, really? <laughs> no. Actually, not. a little bit of, little bit of trivia question. Uh, trivia, I've recently learned. Um, although Arby's has been using the slogan of, but we have the meats for 60 years, they just for the first time added a hamburger to their uh, menu for the first time what? in history. Huh. Yeah, yeah, they're they're roast beef. Wow. That's fine. Okay. They're, the only reason why I know this, I host trivia every Wednesday night. Now, <laughs> uh, now I'm hungry. Screw you, Alex. Hey, it's twelve thirty for me. It's time for food now. For so we're gonna get off the podcast. Gonna go have a nice lunch and just gonna enjoy the Alex. Eventually, we're gonna have to do just. I know we did a lot of trivia in the off season. I think we're gonna have to bring back trivia of like all things, not just baseball. Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm, look, I'm I'm full of 100 down. If we wanted to like just take one of my trivia's from Wednesday and put them as a podcast, I think that would honestly be funny. I yeah, I'd be down to do that. I or we do a, uh, another fantastic. Jeopardy board. It has like four uh, topics I'm, that are baseball and one topic that's just miscellaneous. Yeah, miscellaneous. That'd be that'd be pretty good. <laughs> uh, the person that makes the board gets to pick what's in the random miscellaneous of it. It can't be anything like actually baseball related. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that'd be awesome. Uh, anyways, uh, we're we're done with uh, everything we've we've covered. I mean, I I think baseball. I mean, this we've gotten to the point of the season where games matter a little more, uh, and I think we start seeing who's for real, who isn't for real. You know, the pretenders and contenders, and um, it's it's good to see some some of these players that are catching fire lately. You know, we had a real lull in offense going on, and now. The hitters are starting to get going. We're starting to see who the Cy Young candidates are on the pitching side. So it's a lot of excitement in baseball right now. But anyways, uh, thank you all for listening. Obviously, thank you, Flash and Alex, for joining the show again. Alex taking time out of his vacation to join us. Uh, follow us all on Twitter, of course. Uh, follow Splash at Mr. Splashman 19. Follow Alex at the Sports Guy 242. And you can follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. And, of course, follow the baseball department account. That's where we tweet out our episodes at baseball underscore OTH. You know, uh, we're, we're going to be still trying to do this every week. Obviously, I'm still in school, so that might vary. But make sure to keep tuning in. Uh, but until next time, thank you for listening. I hope to see you all real soon.